0: The crazy weather throughout the country seems to be reflected in Congress. On recess, when it returns, it will have 12 working days to work out a regular federal budget for 2024, and it's not going to happen. Here to explore the possible consequences, who's already laughing here, the Vice President for Policy and Programs at the National Active and Retired Federal Employees Association, NARF, John Hatton, John good to have you back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And it looks more and more like because of political developments in the short time period, there could be a lapse. But my perception is that lapses in appropriation really don't equate with much of a shutdown. It's just policy procurement office rats. That don't have to go in or proscribed from going in, but so many of the operational external federal employees have to keep working.
1: Yeah, federal agencies will keep "quote unquote" essential employees working um, with that, with them waiting for their next paycheck if it goes to the pay period and that being delayed. Meanwhile, you have a lot of people still sent home, not working. Uh, having backlogs of work kind of build up, and that is just basically a waste of taxpayer money because now there's actually a piece of law that says once people go back to work if they're furloughed due to a shutdown, you you're guaranteed back pay. In the past, that had been the practice every time every you know new appropriation bill that passed after a shutdown would provide people back pay. To me, it's really a complete waste of taxpayer money to make some type of political point by some contingent in Congress. That never actually gets what it wants. There's never been a shutdown where the person or the group of people pushing for the shutdown for some policy concession have ever actually gotten that policy concession. So to me, it's really just a waste. so that certain people can get on TV, have their base be riled up and enjoy them talking about it. And meanwhile, the rest of the American public suffers. You have national parks that close down. You have people, you have businesses that rely on income from people going to those parks. You have people that are going to them that have canceled vacations. That's just one particular uh, example of how it's a waste and how it impacts American citizens.
0: And as you say, it doesn't save money because the federal employees, correctly, you know, do get paid when they get back to work. But it looks like a greater possibility this year than simply a continuing resolution from the. Signs are.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a contingent, the House Freedom Caucus, uh, that is pushing for basically a reversal of the budget deal that got signed into law, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, that set sending, uh, spending caps uh, for the next two fiscal years. And they really want to go back to fiscal year 22 levels, particularly for non defense spending, which would be a major cut. And so they've at least forced the Speaker of the House to, and the Appropriations Committee to pass appropriations bills out of committee and they're trying to get them passed on the floor that would write to those fiscal year 22 levels. That's just not going to fly with what the Senate's doing with what the White House wants to do. Uh, It's not the agreement that was put into place. The Senate is going forward with various bipartisan bills that are to those spending caps. They came out of committee with unanimous support. So we're going to have to see if, you know, the Speaker is able to get bills through the House that are based on that bipartisan consensus in the Senate, or if he's going to be pushed into a shutdown from his House Freedom Caucus. And so that's what we're going to wait and see. I'm somewhat optimistic that given the strong bipartisan support in the Senate, that we can avoid a shutdown, that the Senate can pass some bills, send them to the House. And those are bills that can come to the House floor. Thus far, they've only passed one bill out of the House. Uh, They've been unsuccessful in trying to move other bills, weren't able to get the votes for a rule. And so... If the speaker can show his caucus that look, we can't even pass our own bills right now. Uh, We have these bills coming from the Senate. There's no reason to have a shutdown. I think we can get past this particular threat, but we're not past it yet. Uh, And there's certainly a contingent there in the House that uh, that does not want to move these bills.
0: Right. So we won't know anything until after Labor Day. It's a couple days after Labor Day. I think that they don't actually get to work. So again, we get back to that 12 days plus. They have a few other things on their plates that, from their point of view, are even more. More important in some sense than appropriating the money to keep the government running. Something else for feds to worry about are legislatively proposed changes that would restrict or change what's available to federal investors in the thrift savings plan. What do you see for some of those?
1: Yeah, we're seeing more and more politics enter into, you know, the investment decisions by the thrift savings plan under the argument, this is taxpayer money. Now, I don't think this is taxpayer money. Once you have earned it and it's into your retirement account, it's your money, not taxpayer money. You've gotten that in compensation for your work. And so like anybody else's 401k, you should be able to invest that Like anybody else's retirement funds, you should be able to invest that as you wish. There's been a couple efforts in Congress to kind of restrict that. The first was uh, language in the House Financial Services uh, and General Government Appropriations Bill that would prevent investment in in anything that has criteria focused on environmental, social, and governance criteria for investment versus basic fiscal criteria or financial criteria. The concern there is none of the TSP core funds do that. And I don't think that should be entered into the TSP core funds, but the mutual fund window has 5,000 various funds. And for the TSP to be put this burden on them, according to them, to be able to monitor all these funds for all their various investment criteria would prevent them from, they wouldn't be able to do that. They would have to withdraw the mutual fund window. So all these different investments, not just ESG investments, but if you want to invest in commodities, you want to invest in real estate, you wouldn't have that available via the mutual fund window due to this amendment. Now, I don't think this is going to get passed into law, but then on the other side of the Senate, uh, Marco Rubio has tried to restrict any investments in China. And that may be a well-intentioned proposal, but currently the iFund is invested in Hong Kong. so And Hong Kong is now part of China. So the iFund, if this, if that amendment had passed, it did not, but it did get 55 votes on a 60 vote threshold. If that investment is passed, the iFund would right now cease to exist because they were not allowed to invest in Hong Kong- based securities. And currently even even if one could eventually be created in the future, currently there's no major index for international funds that invest money, that excludes Hong Kong from their investments. And so and then the same concerns with the mutual fund window would occur with monitoring Chinese investments. And so, again, I think it's the politics of China entering these investment decisions. They're not trying to restrict, let's say, investments in Apple, which of course invests in China, investments in other comp- U.S. companies <laughs> invest in China. And they're saying it's is taxpayer funds, but they're not investing. Um, they're not restricting these investments from other U.S. citizens.
0: And in practice, I mean, this ESG is sort of less than meets the eye because people trade carbon credits. It's usually just sort of an exercise in fulfilling what looks like a nice social construct. But I mean ultimately you would think feds or anybody investing their own hard earned money, as you put it, and it is their money. It's not really the government's money, except insofar as it covers the government's debts sometimes (laughs) when you know when the debt ceiling isn't raised, but it goes back to the people that whose money it is. But you would think ESG is a nice idea, but if you're saving for retirement you really want the best return, and right? Even if it's not ESG. And so yeah, the TSP. And I, mean, I mean the first board's responsibility is return and not right. social construct.
1: Right. And that's that's what guides the the core TSP funds and the FERTIBS responsibilities for providing those options is to, you know, have a fiduciary standard that does not take into account ESG criteria. Now, the mutual fund window is you can take your money outside those core funds and invest in whatever you like. And that was created in part to prevent people from taking their money out of the TSP because they wanted to invest their money in something different. And that might be ESG. And that's the basic principles that you should do what you want with your money. The TSP is not going to necessarily create a fund for you that may not be Based on their fiduciary standard but you can go ahead and, and get that esg or whatever else and so that mutual fund window provides that additional flexibility to say this is your money tsp is going to provide their best guidance on what's a good investment but if you decide that's wrong you still have that option and i think that's a good balance without having you know i think the concern with these two proposals and other legislation in congress that would say let's add a esg core fund or something is that more and more that enters politics into the realm of these investment decisions that should be without politics and based on fiduciary standards and the concern is if you do this for china if you do this for esg then there's going to be you know the other side of the aisle is going to say you have to have esg not you know we can't invest in fossil fuels or any You know, we can't invest in a company that covers abortion services or that, you know, that does. So you really go down a really slippery slope when you start talking about these restrictions from Congress into what the TSP does.
0: And just a final question I wanted to ask you about those big, well-publicized raises for Transportation Security Administration employees, principally the transportation security officers, the TSOs. This is a long and welcome development, isn't it?
1: Yes, very much so. The TSA employees have not had the kind of same level of pay as GS Schedule, for example. And in the last year's appropriations bill, pay raises were funded. And so this is finally being implemented. People will get very welcome pay raises. It should help recruitment and retention of the TSA, which has been a major problem with sec- turnover reaching just very high numbers. And so, you know, good for the employees at the TSA now, good for the agency in terms of recruitment and retention, and good for the American citizen in terms of making sure you have an agency that's staffed by people that are paid appropriately and that have experience because you're able to keep them.
0: And what is NARF's take on the latest gambit from the White House to prod agencies to get going with their return to the office plans? Because of the latest memo that got so much notoriety, basically was just underscoring the April memo. It just did it in two pages instead of 19 pages of (laughs) incomprehensible stuff. But it doesn't really change what the policy is. And there is no single policy So what should happen here?
1: I think it's federal agencies should still retain that flexibility to set their policies. And the White House can kind of have some influence here and nudging agencies to kind of adopt these renewed policies post-pandemic that are a little bit more permanent, but they should still be able to take into account that some jobs are different than others, that some jobs can be done via remote work, that employee performance and engagement can be still high via remote work. So I think... The White House should be striking a balance, and uh, we'll have to see if it's putting its thumb too hardly on the scale in one direction or the other. But um, I think it's you know it's a question that every employer in the country is dealing with in terms of setting their return to work policies and how you strike that balance and realizing that there's lessons learned from the pandemic that, yes, we can work from home, but maybe there's still some benefits in office work as well. So it's tough to have a single answer for something that, honestly, no one really has a good single answer to. And so I think obviously the White House is putting their thumb a little bit on the scale here of of going back into the office. It's just how hard are they pushing?
0: John Hatton, vice president for policy and programs at the National Active and Retired Federal Employment. Employees Association, NARF. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. 57 past the hour. This is the Federal Drive with Tom Temin. For the latest updates, stay with federalnewsnetwork.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.